Hello, my name is David Coletta, and I'm the senior leader at Mission Community Church. Before you begin watching the Sermon of the Week, allow me to pray that you might encounter God right there where you are. Father, I ask that your spirit will be present right where people are watching this video. May they be receptive to the voice of your spirit as they watch in Jesus' name, amen. From all of us at MCC, may God bless you as you watch this week's message. My name is Sam Benton. For those of you who do not know me, I'm one of the associate pastors here at Mission. I'm a part-time pastor. They said they didn't, couldn't handle me full-time. There's too much, too much going on here. Uh, so I'm part-time. And my other job is that I do business book clubs. I get groups of entrepreneurs together or an executive team at a business. We read books about life and leadership, how to lead well, how to live life well. And so uh, my message today is coming from a conversation I had in one of my book clubs several weeks ago. You know, I love it when I, when I get to preach, I get to tell you what God told me, and I just throw it on you too, see? So I was in this business book club, and a friend of mine said he had a conversation with uh, one of the employees. And it was only Tuesday, second day of the week, and she said, I've met my quota already I'm going to throw a number out, $2,000. And the guy looked at her and he said, he said, that's not your quota. Your quota is $10,000. And she looked at him like seriously confused. She said, what? 
you know. And he said, how much money do you want to take home on your commission check? A hundred or five hundred dollars? She said, five hundred dollars. He said, then raise your quota. Believe for more. Step out. Now you have two thousand on Tuesday. Believe for five thousand this week and increase. And so he just inspired her to believe God for more, right? So I'm driving from my book club to church that Tuesday morning. And in my ride, the Lord said to me, he said, Sam, in what area of your life are you settling for less than my best for you? Where are you settling and I'm not just talking about resources, okay? Every area of life, uh, God wants to bless us. And so I don't know who this is for today, but I'm going to share this with you because I think it's critical uh, that we think about our life and we think about someone shared it, that God is good and God wants to do good things for us. Amen? Yes. So... Uh, Obviously, I noticed a couple areas in my own life, and actually, I've been working on them the last few weeks. I'm saying, okay, God, I'm going to believe you to bring change in these areas of my life. And so, again, not just resources. It could be your job environment. It could be your marriage. It could be that you want to move out in gifts of the Spirit and you haven't done it. It could be intimacy with God. It's like, I want more intimacy with God. What area of your life have you settled for less when God really has more for you? He wants to do something better in your life. Amen? And honestly, I do believe that many of us, or some of us at least, are in some situations that really aren't even good. It's not like I want to believe for better. It's like I'm in a bad situation. But sometimes the enemy just lies to us. How many of y'all know he's a liar? And you know what he'll tell you? He'll say, that's just the way it is. Or that's just the way you are. Right? He'll say things like, why try? Nothing's going to change. He'll lie to you and keep you in a place that's less than what God really has for you in many areas of your life. I want to share a biblical example. It's kind of funny, Jim. You brought this up this morning in prayer. It's kind of funny. So in, in Genesis 15, 16, and 17, God tells Abraham that he's going to bless him with a son. And his descendants will be as many as the stars of the sky. I want to read just a couple quick excerpts from these chapters. In Genesis 15, 4, it says, Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This man will not be your heir. It's talking about one of his family members, not a son. But one will come forth from your own body, and he shall be your heir. And so you go through a little bit more of the chapter, and then in chapter 16, Sarah, who was Sarai at that point, she says, look, I'm not able to give you a baby. Why don't you take chapter 16, uh, why don't you take my uh, servant maid, Hagar, I give her to her, and she'll bear children for you, uh, for me. And so Abraham listened to Sarai, right? What a mistake. <laughs> Jim said that this morning. What a mistake. What was the mistake? They did something in the natural to fulfill what God wanted to do in the supernatural. 
she took things into her own hands. And you know, it went bad right away. The very next verse in verse 5, it says, Then Sarai said to Abraham, You are responsible for the wrong I'm suffering. I have done a lot of marriage counseling through all my years of ministry. And I don't know how many times somebody's come to me and said, you know, he or she asked me to do this, and I did it, and now they're mad at me for doing it. Yeah, I know that hasn't happened in any of your marriages, right? It's kind of like, what? That's just a side point. But um, she's like, it's your fault. I put my slave in your arms, and now she knows I'm pregnant. She despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. It's like, wow, you told me to do this. Come on. But then in Genesis 17, the promise comes. Then God said to Abraham, as for Sarah, your wife, you shall change her name, Sarah, you should change her name to Sarah. I'll bless her indeed. I'll give her a son. Uh, he'll be a blessing. She'll be a mother of nations. People will come to her from her. Uh, Abraham fell on his face and what? He laughed. Why did he laugh? He said, I'm 100 years old, God. My wife is 90, God. How in the world can this happen? This is like crazy, right? But then the Lord corrects him. He says in verse 19, but God said, no, Sarah, your wife will bear you a son and you shall call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant for his descendants, uh, for, for his descendants after him. And so they chose a natural solution to do a, what God wanted to do supernaturally. Let me ask you this. If you've served the Lord uh, any length of time at all, have you had an experience where God wanted to do something, but you jumped the gun? You did something in the natural instead of believing God's word is going to come about by God. Many of us have done that, right? There are other instances, however, I hope you have encountered where you wanted to do something, but God said, no, don't do this, do that. And you're like, there's no way that's going to work, God, but God does it. And it's like God comes through. Amen. Those are powerful moments when you're just believe, you obey what God told you to do, even though in your natural tendency is wanted to do something else. It happens. So, here's my deal today. Guess what? Revelation, okay? You cannot change the past. You can't do anything about what has already happened. You may even still be suffering some consequences or benefiting from some consequences of what you've done in the past. But you know what you can do? You can change now. You can change your present situation right now. You can ask God, believe God. How do we get our lives changed in these situations? By faith. My message to you today is that we serve a loving God who loves you. He wants to do great things for you. And by faith, he wants you to use your faith to believe in him to do them. Amen? Even Sarah made it into the Hebrews 11 chapter of faith, where all these heroes are who went before us, right? It says in chapter 11, verse 11, 
By faith, even Sarah herself received ability to conceive, even beyond the proper time of life, since she considered him, what? Faithful, who had promised. She believed God. Eventually, she turned the corner. Eventually, she and Abraham said, okay, God, you said it. I believe it. We're going to do it. Amen? We're going to trust you to do it. I want to read another verse in Hebrews 11, the faith chapter. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please him, meaning God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. You know, there are three very powerful statements in this text. First of all, without faith, it's impossible to please God. God wants us to move in faith, in faith in him. Not in faith in our faith, not in faith in what we can stir up, our faith in him, the God who is, amen? You got to believe that he is first, right? And that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I want to focus on number three today a little bit. Because if you don't believe that he's a rewarder to those who seek him, then you won't believe faith in him. You hear me? You won't begin to believe in anything because you don't want to go there. You don't, you don't think that's where you should go. So I, I thought I would share a few scriptures with you this morning to build your faith to believe that God has something good for you. All right? David's very first psalm. Psalm 1, starting the very beginning, Psalm 1, 1. It says, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or set foot on the path of the sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight, that's us, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. It says that he is like a tree planted by streams of water. Yielding its fruit in its season, whose leaf does not wither, and who what? Who does what? Prospers in all he does. Sometimes we get in situations, and it's hard to believe this. Sometimes we get in situations like you give in and give in, and you settle for less than what God really has for you because your environment is destroying you at the moment. But you know what? God delights in the prosperity of the righteous. It says that in Psalms 35, 27. Let them say continually, the Lord be magnified. The Lord be magnified. The Lord be magnified. Who delights in the prosperity, some versions say, of the righteous. The Lord delights in your prosperity. The Lord delights to bless you. You know, that's a wonderful thing to think about. God delights it, is delighted in your blessing. How about that? What delights the Lord? To give his children gifts. Let's keep reading. You might say, well, that's Old Testament, Sam. Let's go to the New Testament. John 10.10. 10. It says, and you know this scripture, most of you, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and might have it abundantly. Abundantly. Can you, can you receive that? Abundantly. That's not just talking about money. Do you know that? That's not just talking about eternal life. 
When Jesus said, I came, this is Jesus' word. I came that you may have life abundantly. He means every area of your life, your body, your soul, your spirit, your finances, your relationships, your soul, every part of you. This falls in line with the third book of John, uh, chapter, uh, well, let me see which chapter. (laughs) Chapter 1, verse 2. He said, Beloved, I pray that in what? All respects that you may prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. God wants us to live a prosperous life. Again, I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about every area of our lives. He wants us to have a a prosperous life, an abundant life. Can I hear an amen? Listen to Matthew 7, 9. Or what man is there among you who, when his son asks for a loaf, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will not give him a snake? Will he? If you then, being evil, say me being evil, because we have a sin nature, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, do you like to give good gifts to your children? Anybody with children, you'd say, yes, I want to give good gifts to my children. How much more? Not just like, yeah, God wants to give you. God even more wants to give good gifts to his children. Wants to give what is good to those who ask him. He wants to give what is good to those who ask him. It's very interesting as I was preparing this message and I went into the concordances of the scripture in third book of John that he delights in your prosperity, right? That he he wants you to prosper in all things, soul and body. When you go to that text in concordances and you start trying to read, you know, is there some word in here that's different? The Hebrew, what's going on? And so I started doing some research on this. And you know, it's very interesting. When I did my research in the scripture where it says, in all respects, you may prosper. They don't even mention that. There's even a Bible version that just cuts that all out and says that you'll prosper in your soul and your, in your flesh, Right. What does it say? I'm sorry, I'm losing track of my scripture. In your health and in your soul. They skip out the whole thing about God wants you to prosper in all things. In all things. How many of you know? (laughs) How many of you know it's better to prosper than be poor? Hello? I grew up poor. You know what the Bible says? Poverty is a curse. There's no fun living poor. I've been there. I've done that. It's no fun, <laughs> right? It's not, that doesn't mean there are not stages in life and where you are and you grow, right? But God doesn't want us to live like that forever. But somehow, some way, because of the misuse of the message that God wants to prosper you by some, right? There have been those, and they did make it all about money, all about things, all about your bigger house, your nicer car, the, the more prosperous you are, the more God loves you. I mean, they, they distorted the whole view of the message. So we, many times, and many of us, want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. We're just like, ah, I don't want to believe that. That's, if I believe for more, if I believe for better, then I'm going to be selfish. 
That's a selfish thought. Somehow we Christians have distorted the message ourselves to think that we're going to be greedy or selfish if we start believing that way. By the way, <laughs> I use that idiom, throwing the baby out with the bathwater. I have no idea where that came from. Who would do that? <laughs> Even as I was saying it, I'm like, who would throw a baby out with the bathwater? Somebody came up, but we all know what it means, right? So, so I hope it, it works. But I'm just like, that's dumb. That's a dumb idiom, you know. Nobody's going to throw out their baby with the bathwater. Let me ask you, let me, let, me, let me bring up a specific situation. Let's say that you're driving a jalopy. How many of y'all know what a jalopy is? Is that a generational thing? You've got young people, you know what a jalopy is? I don't know what you, oh, you don't know what a jalopy is. A, a piece of junky car. <laughs> it's a jalopy. It barely gets you where you're going. It's ugly. It's uncomfortable. Sometimes the window on the driver's side won't go down, so you got to open your door and be embarrassed every time you go through a drive-thru. You ever had a jalopy? I had several of them, to be honest. In fact, one of them I had was a 1986 uh, Dodge Caravan. I, <laughs> I found a picture of this one. That looks better than mine looked. <laughs> this was a long time ago. And so I had this jalopy, but it got me to work, right? And so every morning, for a while, after a while, I thought, okay, I need something better than this. So I would back out of my driveway, hit the street, start going forward, and immediately, instead of complaining, I would say, Father, thank you. Thank you for this car. Thank you that it's getting me to work today. Father, I feel blessed to have something so I'm not stranded. But Lord, can you give me something better? <laughs> right? Lord, I want better. I want something. And I didn't have the means for some reason at that point in our life to get something better. But three months later, I got a new car. Somehow God provided. It looks old now, but it was a wind star. I was so happy to have this car, you know. Don't you know that's better? Is that better? I didn't go in debt. I didn't get above, I didn't go above my means. Do you understand? I'm not talking about getting something better and you go in a bunch of debt to get it. That's not the way. You believe God to provide somehow, some way, miraculously where you can get better. That was so much better. How many of you know I was praising God? Glory to God for this wind star. Glory to God, you blessed me. Glory to God, you provided somehow for me to have this. And how many of you know that God probably looked down from heaven? I don't say probably. He looked down from heaven and said, it delights me to see the joy in your heart to have something better. There are areas in your life where you're believing for something better. If not, I want to ask you that question. What area of your life have you settled for less when God really has something better for you? And you know, you know that you know that what you're doing right now, the way you're living, your job situation, your marriage, your whatever it is, is not good. And it's like, Lord, I know you have better for me than this. Show me, Lord. And then put your faith in him. Amen? For a wind star. 
No, <laughs> I don't even think they make those anymore. <laughs> so in your job situation, in your marriage, what is it that you need better? God, I want better. So a few weeks ago, after driving to church, the Lord showed me a couple things in my own life. And it's like, I'm not going to settle for this because this isn't good. I want better, Lord. And what it, behold, the Lord starts showing me things as I kept asking him, Lord, I want better. I want better in this area. I want better in that area. He kept showing me things, things that he could do and things that I needed to do. Hello? <laughs> Just to bring balance to this message a little bit, because I don't want you to think I'm preaching the whole prosperity message with greed. Uh, if you look at 1 Timothy 6.17... It says, instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God. One of the problems is when we have an abundance, we have more than enough, we tend to rely on those things, on those resources, more than we rely on God. It happens. That's why it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God, right? Because he's so relying on his things but he says this listen to the end of this text he says but on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy how about that he's not talking about being spiritual just there's some things that God wants to give you just so you can enjoy it it's not selfishness it's not greed it's just like Lord I want to enjoy this part of my life better Amen? And then in Proverbs eleven twenty five, 25, it says, The generous man will be a prosperous, and he who waters will himself be watered. So prosperity is so that we can water others. It's not just so me, me, my bigger, better, nicer, but God, you've given me these reasons. Let me be a blessing. Let me water somebody else. Do you know I have been given three cars in my life? Two pretty nice cars and one decent car. But before I was given any car, I gave away three cars in my life. When I had little to nothing, I gave away a car to a single mom who had no transportation. I gave away a car to a missionary who came back from Korean and had nothing. I gave away a car to a friend of mine who's a minister and his wife traveling with four or five kids in her car in a jalopy. And I'm like, that's not good. Let's find a way to get you a car. And then he who waters will himself be watered. I gave away not clunkers or jalopies, but not great cars. I got back nice cars. Praise the Lord. Amen. Not that I wasn't even looking for that. That's just something God did. What about your walk with God? You know, some of you in here, you might say, I don't really, I don't sense God the way you people, you people seem to sense God. You know, I, I, I don't understand this whole thing about the presence of God and the intimacy with God. And, and, and it's just the way I am. That's not true. God wants you to encounter him in a real way. 
He wants you to hear his voice. He wants you to know him. You not, may not be all loud and jumping up and down and clapping and screaming like some of us in here do. You may be quiet. That's okay. But that doesn't mean you can't encounter God in a real way. You can't say, I just don't understand and I don't know. And, and it's not for me. That's a lie. It is for you. Again, your expression may be a little less than some of us crazies. Uh, but, you know, God wants you to know him intimately and to have encounters with him that are real and true. Can I hear an amen? All right, I really want to encourage you to ask God, where am I settling for less than your best? And to be honest, sometimes we don't even know what God's best really is, honestly. But we do know that what we have now is not. Did you hear that? I'm not sure if we understand what God's best is, but sometimes we're in situations right now and we know that it is not his best. And so, Lord, how can I have something better? How can I trust you? I wanted to share. Oh, yeah, I got time. Praise the Lord. I want to share just a couple quick principles with you. This is kind of a mantra of mine. My wife gets tired of hearing it. Uh, but I'm a fan of John Wesley. He's one of my heroes. I've read his journals. I've studied his life. And John Wesley said this. He said, I pray as if everything depended upon God. And I worked as if everything depended upon me. Here's the problem. People want to pray as if everything depends upon God, and then they don't want to do what he says. They don't want to do the hard stuff. They don't want to do the work that God's telling them to do. Oh, God, would you solve this here? Well, this is what you need to do. Oh, oh no, I'm not doing that. You crazy? No. I'm not doing that. But other people tend to work and work and work, and they don't cry out to God. They don't say, God, show me your creativity. God, show me what to do with this person. Lord, show me what to do with this deal that I'm working on. Lord, show me how I can make my marriage better. Lord, Lord, help, help, help. You just keep working and doing the same thing on your own. So I think John Wesley's message is a great balance. Don't just work. Pray and ask God. And don't just pray and sit there and like, okay, it's going to fall out of heaven. It could, right? But more than likely, God wants you to step out and do something. You want a new job, you don't sit home and just pray, Lord, bring a new job. And then you don't send a resume out. How dumb is that? God loves us. He's got so much for us. That really is the point here. How else can we see change? Well, it says in our scripture in 11.6, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we need faith. We need faith. What is faith? What in the world is faith? That's a big word for so many small letters, right? Faith, it says in Hebrews 11, our faith chapter, verse 1. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. My translation is faith is 
believing God for something we're hoping for that we can't see, but we're hoping that we will see because of God, not just because of what we can do. Amen? I've been in business for many years. I don't know how many times I went to God and said, God, I need you to move in this situation. I need you to provide for this situation. I've come up on Fridays when I have 12 employees and I don't have enough money to pay their salaries. God, come through, and then money just shows up. I mean, I go bang some doors, collect some money, but it didn't just drop out of heaven, right? But it's like God came through. And in the early years of my business, when that would happen, I quit worrying about it. I said, God will come through. You know, Thursday, I'm thinking I don't have enough money for my salaries. Don't worry, God God will come through because he always does. He always does somehow, some way, if we put our faith in him. Amen? So if you ever experienced a situation where something seemed almost impossible to come about, but you put your faith in God, you said, God, I'm believing you to make this happen. And then God turns corners and situations and talks to people and all kind of things change and it happens. You ever done that? Step out in faith in some area. God provide for this. God do this. And then God does it. You know what? For me, for me, that's one of the most special moments in life. When God just shows up and does something way out of the ordinary so that I could be blessed in what I'm doing or protected in what I'm doing. Amen? It's just like, thank you, Lord God. He gets all the glory. So I want to encourage you today to just step out in faith and believe God. And I want to remind you of Matthew 7 11. that's funny. <laughs> Go to the 7 Eleven. And uh, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does your Father in heaven want to give to you what is good? Again, I'm not just talking about resources, I'm talking about every area of your life. Let's stand together. Thank you, Jesus. Just for a minute, just just stand there for a minute. Just meditate on the Lord. Just ask him, Lord, where am I settling for less when I know I can have better? I know I could have better. See, I I can settle for a layup playing basketball because there's no chance I'm going to slam dunk. That's not going to happen. That's a different situation. If you're making 50000 a year and you want to make a million, why don't you just jump to seventy-five or hundred and believe God? Amen? Step your, that doesn't mean God couldn't possibly do it, but just say, Father, I want more. I want something better than what I have. So I just want you to ask the Lord just for a moment, where in my life Am I settling? Short. Short. Go ahead. 
my better half. Just during the worship, um, one area, this is what the Lord was putting in my heart, just one area that I think that God really wants to blow on in our lives is just our dreams. It's not always just provision or, but the things that we dream of, our visions, our vision for our life, our, our dreams. And so I do believe that God wants to give us better. A lot of times it is in relationship or even in ministry or in healing of your body, uh, better relationships. Some people here I know are believing for maybe a better career or, or believing for children. And, and this is what God said to me in the, in the worship, that in this room that people are at various stages uh, of expecting. And I think that's true, that we're at various stages of what we're expecting and hoping for. Some people are just right about ready to give birth to some things. And I want to encourage you. I really think this is a prophetic word from the Lord that some of you are about ready to give birth to things. And honestly, when you're carrying something, you're about to give birth, that end part that is the hardest part, that transition part, that's the really hardest part where you want to give up. And I think maybe there are people here who want to give up in some areas of your life. You're like, yeah, I hear that, but I, it's just too hard and you want to give up. But that transition time is really sort of the hardest time. It's when there's real heaviness. But that's the time to press in. Some of you are in like a waiting time and a working time. And you're just waiting and you're working and you're believing you're in that place. You know what your dreams are. You know your career goals. You have marriage goals. But you're in that waiting and persevering time. Some of you are in that germinating period where you're just starting to get excited about different things. Excited about the future. Excited about different ideas and wanting to get a new house or wanting a new career. And some of you, I felt like the Lord said that you're in a place where maybe your dreams are dead, where you've had some dreams that are, and disappointments and things that seem dead. And I just want to encourage you that that's God's specialty. That's the place where really God can come through, where it's God's specialty. And he showed that in so many places that that's why he moved through Abraham and Sarah. Even in a dead place, just the miraculous life and power of God came through to bring power and to bring promises and to bless the whole earth. And it's the message of Hannah and it's the message of Jesus from death to resurrection. Amen? From death to life, from glory to glory. So it's in the hardest places that God can sometimes see the build, bring the greatest glory. So I just want to encourage you, wherever you are in those spaces, to really not give up, to press in, to believe. And so I do think that God wants us, like Sam was saying, to open our heart to a spirit of faith. We want to open our heart to do greater things, greater, greater things. I know in my life right now, I've been, all my needs are met. My kids are good. My health is good. I, my needs are met. But I've been in a really, really, really tough time in my journey of faith. Really hard, the hardest time. And just the last couple of days, God is just saying to me, like, I know exactly where you are. And I think God wants to say that to some of us. He was like, I know exactly where you are. This is what he said to me this morning. You think, and this kind of goes back to Pastor David's message of we think things and God thinks things. You think, God was saying to me, like, I'm not paying attention. Like, you're just going along and somehow you think I've forgotten about you. But Jesus said to me, I know exactly where you are and I know exactly what I'm doing 
And I know the plans that I have for my glory, said the Lord. I don't like that misinterpretive. I know the plans that I have. For, that's true. But I know the plans that I have for you for his glory. And our story, God's glory. So if you're in a hard time, I'm telling you today that you are set up for miracles. You're set up for the power of God. Miracles. Miracles like Hannah had that baby. Whatever you're believing for, those dreams. So let God blow in your dreams. Let God stir up your hope. Amen. Because the dreams he's put in your heart are there to be birthed. They're not there to be squashed. They're not there to be lost, forgotten, left along the way. And a lot of my dreams are for ministry and ministering to people and speaking the word of God and praying for miracles for people. It's not all about like, do I have a house? It's about Jesus and his kingdom and his glory come. Amen. And it's about blessing you. And God said, all your days are written in my book and all your tears are held in a bottle. So Father, in the name of Jesus, we just open our heart, our spirit. We thank you for this word. Lord, imbue us and fill us with a spirit of faith, a spirit of hope. Lord, give us the dream that you have for us because we want to run after that in Jesus' name.